Welcome to the Inspirational Living Podcast. Get the best of our podcast in book form by visiting inspirationallifelessons.com. Today's reading was edited and adapted from Youth and Opportunity by Thomas Tapper, published in 1912. There is an old expression coined by J.P. Morgan which says, It is impossible to unscramble an egg. The logic of the statement is this. With an egg in hand, be sure you know what you want to do with it before you break the shell. For once the shell is broken, it is impossible again to restore it to wholeness. Exactly the same statement is true of life. It is impossible to unscramble life. Hence, with life before us, we must be reasonably sure of the use we wish to make of it before we break the shell. But we must not wait too long, nor must we expect to undo tomorrow the act we have performed today. The familiar expression, many people, many minds, like all proverbs, is rich in meaning. We all fashion our own mansion, and we must dwell in it. We turn to the records of literature, and at the same time observe those about us, we will learn a few principles about success that should ultimately make the mansion we are building a delightful and beautiful dwelling place. We learn from biography and from the lives about us that success does not consist solely in the possession of things. Even an abundance of money is impotent to give its possessor many of the real pleasures of life, for the real pleasures of life are not exclusively material. It behooves us, before we actually crack the shell of life, to realize this to be able in old age to look back upon a life of industry and to find in its records nothing to regret, to possess a mind keenly alive to the worlds of book and art, to respond to the beauties of nature, to possess a quick and abounding sympathy for one's fellow citizens, to be at peace in regard to the future into which we pass when the silver cord be loosened or the golden bowl be broken. For in these, as in beautiful baskets, there are contained all the fruits of success that are worthy of our gathering. Success then must make its appeal to the whole individual. In seeking its gifts we must not fail to remember that we have many baskets for the gathering of our harvest. We must strive to possess a mind and a body that are keenly attuned to that spirituality of which they are symbols. We must educate ourselves daily in order to be set free, to be liberated, so that we may travel along the many highways of the intellectual world. Our daily labor must never become a drudgery to us. It must appeal to the whole person. Time is the precious coinage of our realm, and we must learn to spend it wisely. 
good books and art must appeal to us for their reality. The inner senses of perception and intuition must be as delicately responsive as we crave the outer senses to be. In brief, we must have ideals, and ideals must constantly be resolved into essential and practical things. The ultimate ideal may forever remain beyond us, but nevertheless we must pursue it. For as Carl Schurz once said, Ideals are like stars. You may not succeed in touching them with your hands, but like the sea-faring soul on the desert of waters, you choose them as your guides, and following them, you reach your destiny. The proper conduct of life is every person's privilege and possibility, but the duty and responsibility of it are left to you. If some hidden force were constantly active within us, unfailingly compelling us along the proper line of action, the task would be simple. As it is, however, we are left to choose and decide. The Garden of Eden in which we are born is a place of beautiful riches. Everything is ours. But the moment we desire the fruits of this garden, we discover that we may have them only on certain conditions. These conditions are two in number. Number one, do not seek out evil. Number two, the price is the sweat of our brow. There is a classic tale which relates how Zeus once came to earth. Passing a pig pen, he saw a friend, also a god, who had wandered away from home and had become changed into a pig. Zeus spoke to him, and entreated him to return to Mount Olympus, but his friend merely grunted his contentment, and replied that the pig pen, the trough, and the litter of little pigs suited him exactly. And Zeus turned away, feeling convinced that, until his friend was willing to help himself, he would remain a pig. If, as one philosopher has expressed it, we are but gods in disguise, how low have we fallen from our Olympian estate? We are, in fact, like the pig in the fable, doomed to the life of pen and trough, until the dawning of hope and ambition prompts us to help ourselves. When they compel us to move, a god is speaking reminding us that we have wandered from home and missed the heritage that is rightfully our own. And the God speaks truly. There is a better fortune awaiting us than we have found. If we will listen to the God within and believe, the door will open and we shall be at liberty to recognize and to earn what belongs to us. As we step forth, Life smiles a welcome to us and says, Everything is free to you on these conditions. And the contract she gives us reads, Number one, do not seek out evil. And number two, the price is the sweat of our brow. If the words of the God within have really reached us, we will accept these conditions. If they have not, 
we will turn away, saying, It is considerable trouble to climb to the summit of Mount Olympus on these conditions, so I will save my strength. But for what? In order to be a pig in a pen, contented with the mud, the litter of little pigs and the swill in the trough? The attitude toward life which persuades us that the sweat of the brow is a fair exchange for the prizes we desire to win in the struggle with our environment and result only from the emergence of a new order of thought, one that permits us to rise every morning with the conviction that we can make a fresh start. Once we see the justice in the equation which reads, being equals doing, the voltage of our thought power increases amazingly. Thereafter, when the morning comes, we are assured that the dead weight of yesterday is dropped away. The dream that troubled our sleep is forgotten. We are a Columbus sailing unknown seas in search of a new world and hourly we are drawing nearer to it. We begin to think this new order of thought the moment we awaken. We are thankful for the opportunity of another day. We feel that the past is forgiven and forgotten. We are eager to meet the world with a glad heart and a smile of welcome. Above all, we crave our work for we realize that it offers us the only opportunity to give expression to ourselves, and this comes through working with conditions as they are. The secret of power in any occupation, whether art or business, is concentration, and concentration is developed by adverse conditions. The quiet life weakens the resisting power of the mind, and concentration degenerates into mere daydreaming and having great thoughts which are worthless because they have not been hammered out on the anvil of reality. Our environment crowds upon us with countless suggestions and temptations. We go through it as through a jungle, making our path with difficulty, admiring as we perceive the beauty that lies about us but moving forward without hesitation and winning our goal at every step. In living thus day by day, the maxim of our energy is employed. We attain a habit of thought that vitalizes us, for we are convinced that an inexhaustible reservoir of power is open to us. We now understand why it is that living in the old way fills the streets with people long since dead. People who, not knowing they are dead, continue to wander aimlessly with old thoughts, old fears, old regrets that have killed them. Vital thought makes a new woman a man, creates a new and inspiring countenance, gives life to the eye, and zest to all being. Hence vital thought is the oldest thought in the world. Noah must have dwelt with it. For it is said of him, he walked with God. This means that he kept close to the source of his being. Jesus referred to it when he said, Knock and it shall be opened. For that on which we are bidden to knock is the portal of the kingdom of heaven, which by the way is within us, and by seeking 
we find this kingdom. To acquire an abundance of vital thought is simple. We must keep close to the source of our being. We must cease to nurse dead griefs and yesterday's troubles. To mistrust ourselves or to suspect our neighbor. We must cease to think that heaven is somewhere outside of ourselves. The address we want is within. A trusty servant with a still small voice will answer if we knock. It is through fear, worry, anxiety, hate and all of their kind that we most often are led to seek out evil. If we slay them, we can keep to the first condition of our contract with life. Positive thoughts of hope, faith and cheer are ministering angels. We have only to entertain them, and unawares our path is made to lead away from evil. To make a fresh start every morning, to sail the seas in search of a new world, which we know is somewhere ahead makes the payment exacted by the sweat of our brow seem trivial beside the reward that is bestowed upon us. The Inspirational Living Podcast is a production of The Living Hour. Transform your life in 30 days with our Majesty Meditation Program. Our unique auto-suggestion sound method meditation will help you achieve success in every area of your personal and professional life. Learn more at livinghour.org majesty. To get 30% off the $11.99 purchase price, use the coupon code INSPIRATION. Thanks for listening. I look forward to talking with you next time.